Hello and welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. We're so pleased that you've chosen to tune in and listen to this message. And our prayer for you is that it will bless you, it'll lead you to an encounter with Jesus Christ, and it'll set you up for revival. We'd love for you to get involved and join us on this journey of revival. Visit our website, revivalfires.org.uk, and find us on all social media platforms. We can't wait to connect with you. Really good to welcome you. I just want to say a huge welcome to everyone. If you're here for the first time, if you're a guest, it's wonderful to see you. I can see people who haven't been here for a while. It's just great looking out and seeing hungry faces. But if you've got your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to be tying up this uh, series that we've been doing on the calling. So if you want to turn to Mark chapter 10, we're going to read a few verses from verse 46. But before we do that, I want all the children to stand up. If you're going back to school this week, why don't you stand up? Come on, kids, stand up. If you're going back to school, some of them, some of you don't want to stand up. Is that because you don't want to go back to school? <laughs> they don't know they're going. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a crazy couple of months, hasn't it, guys? Like, is school on? Is it not on? Like, what's the government going to say the day before we go to school? I don't know. Come on, stand up. Let's, let's stretch your hands up to them. Let's, let's pray for our children right now. And even if you aren't standing up, Father God, we thank you for this young generation. We thank you that things have been turning around. We thank you that school is on. And we thank you for friendships. We thank you for the education system here. And we just pray a blessing upon them, Father God. We pray a protection right now. A shield of protection as they go into school that they would be safe. We thank you that you, you guide our steps, that you are our health and our shield. We pray for your protection. We pray for such joy as they go in, Lord, that they would find the right connections, the right people. We pray, Lord, that they would even be such a light in their school. Just let your, your spirit bubble up through them and out of them and bless them, Lord. Bless them in everything. Amen. Amen. Well done, guys. We're, um, as parents, we're probably a little bit more excited than you are. <laughs> okay, teachers, stick your hands up. I know there's teachers, people involved in education, teachers' assistants, dinner ladies, sports. If you're involved in education, put your hand up. Father God, we want to bless them as well. I want to read a scripture. I had this this morning. It's Psalm 145. We want to just pray this over you. This is your commission, even from the Lord. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and meditate on your wonderful works. Father, we pray for everyone involved in education. We thank you for the gift that they are to the church. We thank you that for the gift that they are to families, God. We thank you that they're not, it's not just a job, but it's a ministry. It's a place that you put them in to have influence. And I pray your life into them, Lord Jesus. I pray your strength into them. Father, we know that there is so much goes on in the world with all the fears and is this going to change? Is sickness going to happen? Lord, we speak protection upon them. Lord, we speak your blessing upon them. Let them even know as they walk in on Monday morning a joy, a joy bubbling in them that they have got an influence. So we speak your blessing upon them, God. Let this be a great year for them. Let it be a wonderful year for them. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, teachers, educators. We really appreciate you. It's, it's so good that we can, we can bless you and send you out. So um, Trevor and Sharon are in Worthing this weekend. They're ministering at uh, Drew uh, Kia's church, you know Drew from conferences, so we, we've, we're blessing them and we really believe that God's going to be moving in their life as well and the message that they, tra- that they carry. 
And we are going to be tying up, because next week is the conference, so new, new theme, new teaching will start. We're going to be tying up the message of the call this morning. Are you all ready to read Matthew 10, verse 46? Here we go. Mark. Thank you. I was, I was just testing you. You guys are awake this morning. I love it. So much life here today. Mark chapter 10. Here we go. Verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, stand up, he is calling you. So throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, which means my master, my teacher, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately, everyone say immediately. Immediately Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. I'm going to talk to you today about this message. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling every single one of you. The reason that you've come to church even today, and I know that there's friends watching online as well, the reason that you've tuned in, it's not a coincidence, it's not a mistake. You are here because you've heard the call of Jesus. Jesus is calling you. He has a great destiny for you. He has a great call for you. And we're going to put ourselves in the story. We're going to put ourselves in the the, um, experience of this man, Bartimaeus. And I believe God is going to Take us to places where you're going to hear his call like never before in your life. Where you're going to come into a place of encounter with Jesus. This man by Bartimaeus, he'd been a beggar his whole life. And what what beggars would do in those days, let me tell you a little bit about this story. They had no way of income. It wasn't like our society where there was care and there was government systems who would look after them. They would position themselves at busy street corners and they would beg and they would cry out. And today, Bartimaeus thought, this could be like any other day. I'm just going to turn up. I'm going to present myself. I'm going to raise my monotonous cry. I'm going to continue to beg. And on this day, the crowds were much louder, much busier than normal. Because it was one week away from Passover. It was one week away from a festival when everyone would gather. Little did Bartimaeus know it was one week away from Jesus going to the cross as well. And on this day... There's pilgrims and there's prodigals and the streets are packed and busy because everyone is getting themselves down to Jerusalem, to the place where they're going to appear before the Lord to celebrate the Feast of of Passover. And Bartimaeus can hear all the sound and he thinks, I'm going to get myself on the right place of this road because I'm I'm going to have a good day today. But little did he know, he wasn't just going to touch people who were going to give him money. He wasn't going to just touch people who were going to give him resources, but he was going to touch Jesus Christ. And he sits there and he cries out and he hears people saying, oh, 
Jesus of Nazareth is coming. Jesus of Nazareth is coming. And Bartimaeus thinks, I've heard that name. I've heard of that man. I've heard of the miracles that he's done. I've heard of the wonders that, he's, that he has performed. I've heard that people had leprosy and they went to him and they were instantly cleaned. I've heard that people were dead and he called them out of the grave and they came back to life. I've heard that there were people who were blind and he spat in the dirt and he mixed mud with his spit and he put it in their eyes. And I've heard, because he couldn't see, he was blind. But he could, he could hear. You see, even though he didn't have natural eyes, he had sight in the spirit. And he was thinking about the things. This Jesus of Nazareth, I've heard of him. And he decided, I'm going to call out. I'm going to call upon that man. And above all the bustle, above all the noise, he lifts his voice and he cries out. And the crowd, what do they do? They try and tell him to be quiet. They try and tell him, just sit down, wait your turn. We're all getting, you've got no importance. We're all going somewhere. And he cries out all the more. And this is what the crowd say to him. Take courage. Take heart. Get up. Jesus is calling you and I want to know even as we step school starting as we step into September as uh, things start to lift as we feel like maybe life is going to get a bit normal I want you to know friends I want you to know Jesus is calling Jesus is calling you and there is a response in our hearts there is a response that leads us to encounter Bartimaeus thought it was going to be a normal day little did he know that he would have an encounter with Jesus Christ Little did he know that this would be the day that would turn everything around. Little did he know this would be that moment that would mark him for the rest of his life. And I want you to know, I've, I've been thinking about this even this week with our children and with, with friends and people we're talking to uh, in the congregation that encounter is such an important part of our Christian story. Do you know what? Encounter and this is the first point I want to get across to you. Encounter is the context of Christianity. We, we're a church called Revival Fires and we sing, we sing all these, uh, these songs about heaven touching earth, about the river breaking out, about dancing in the streets. Maybe some of you want to dance in the park this afternoon. I don't know. I'll join you, Suki. We'll go for it. We, 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 and we, we have these, these preaching and, and these, these stories and we talk about encounter and the older that I get, the more I realize how, how much time has gone from those moments when God marked me with his presence. Those moments that I was changed forevermore. And those are the moments, I mean, even as we were singing this morning, hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. Those are, those are, those are great words. Let me tell you, those are true words. But there's a moment in every one of our lives as a Christian where we can go back and say, I know the moment when I realized that that is what you did for me, Jesus, on the cross. I know the moment that you marked me, that I was a sinner, but you saved me. I know the moment that you touched me. I want you to know encounters is the very thing that gives us context in our lives. Encounter is the very thing that is the context for our Christianity. Christianity is more than a religion. It's a relationship. We can struggle to even find relevance in our message if we don't understand that we actually need to lead people to encounter. We can try and make the gospel relevant, 
But let me tell you, the only thing that's relevant is a touch from Jesus Christ. The most relevant thing that we have to offer the world is a touch of Jesus Christ. The most relevant thing I have to offer my children and even generations and people in this room today and people watching online is a touch from Jesus. And I've been asking God, I've been praying, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know that upward call of Christ Jesus through me to achieve the goal that you've given me. And I sense God is saying, I've got to invite people to an encounter with him that is the moment where everything becomes so relevant let me show you this through the bible it's great being it in my own life but let me show you this through the bible encounters the context for all christianity think about the 12 disciples here they are 12 men younger than me and i'm still young even though i'm a man okay 12 young guys fishermen up all night have you ever been around fishermen they have very fruity language. They smell of fish. They are, they are life and soul. They're so much fun. They're, they're, um, they're an interesting bunch of people. These are the people Jesus called. These are the people, I've been reading this great book by uh, Peter Wagner, and he's talking about the different historical count, uh, cultures within Israel and Jerusalem at the time. Did you know that Galileans were considered the hillbillies of Israel? Did you know that? Their accent was considered to be, oh, you said it, not me. They were considered to be the black countryites of Israel. Come on. They were. What is it when Peter's sitting, warming himself at the fire and Jesus going to the cross and, and they, the, the slave girl asks him, you've been with Jesus? And he says, no, I ain't. Or no, I wasn't. And they says, yes, you were. Your accent gives you away. Let me tell you, these are the people Jesus spoke. The reason why the disciples caused such an upset when the church was planted through the power of the Holy Spirit was also because they offended the religious. They offended the people with the popper prosh accents. They offended the people who had everything lined up. They knew their, their scriptures in place. They had everything. Uh, they had, what's it called when you cross your T's and dot your I's? You know, they, they had everything in place. Yet here came these colloquial Galileans, these black country people, full of the presence of God. And they turned the world upside down. And I'm not going to read it, but it's in Acts 4, uh, verse 13. You can, you can find it out later, but you know the story. The leaders of the church get together. Jesus has gone to the cross. He has died. He has risen again. He spent 40 days on earth teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. He's ascended to heaven. And he says to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem until the, you, the Holy Spirit comes on you in power. They wait 10 days. Pentecost happens. And an explosion of life. An explosion of the kingdom of God, an explosion of miracles, an explosion of conversions, an explosion of encounters happens. And the church is born. And the leaders, the Sanhedrin, the high priests, they get together and they, they call the disciples and they say, you're not allowed to talk anymore. <laughs> I wish I could, could say it like you, Margaret. Yahweh, I'm not allowed to talk no more. Wait, whatever, whatever. <laughs> All right, you guys know what I'm talking about. And they say, you can't tell us what to do. We've touched the power. Would we rather listen to God or will we listen to man? And they're filled with boldness. And they send the disciples out. And the Bible says this. The high priest noted that they had been with Jesus. Who are these people? They're not trained. They're not educated. But they had been with Jesus. They had lived with Jesus. Let me tell you. If you're trying to live your Christian life without an encounter, we're doing it wrong. 
encounter is the context for everything. I want to read you this. We're probably going to jump in and out of it as well. It's Samuel. You all know the young boy Samuel. He's, he's been given by his mom to, to service in the house of the Lord. The, pro, the priest Eli is training him up. His mom brings him clothes once a year. They come and have a good time. Probably brings him, smugs him a couple of chocolates and snacks as well. Tries to get the size of his robe right, knowing that he's growing really quick. And, and, Eli, and Samuel is serving in the house of God. I like to think about this because I've, I've grown up serving in the house of the Lord. And I, there's nothing I love more than the house of the Lord. Seeing people like you serving the, the children of God. But also putting away the song sheets. Making sure the copies in place. Switching on the lights. You know, this is what Samuel's doing. The Bible tells us that he was actually tending the lamp of the Lord. You know, he was making sure that the lights were on in the temple. And he lies down to, bed to go to sleep. Eli, his mentor is lying down to go to sleep and Samuel hears the voice calling him. It says, Samuel. And he wakes up and he goes to the Eli and he says, Eli, you called me. And he says, no, I didn't go back to bed. This happens three times. And on the third time, Samuel has dis- uh, Eli has discernment. And he says, okay, I know what's happening, Samuel. Next time this happens, I want you to say this. And he says, uh, here I am. Um, he, he, let me tell exactly what he says. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down. And here it is in verse 10, 1 Samuel 3. I love the way the Bible says this. Remember, God just called. Jesus is calling. God just called. And after three times, what does he do? Then the Lord came. Then the Lord came. It wasn't just his voice. He came himself. It was his presence. He walked into the room. He walked in to encounter this young boy. And he stood and he called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responded, speak for your servant is listening. Samuel was the first prophet set up in such power in the the people of Israel. What was the start of his ministry? It was encounter. God is calling you. God is inviting you into an encounter. I want to tell you, even if you might, sometimes might come to church and be like, oh, I love the worship. I can feel something is, 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 is pulsating inside of me. I can feel that there's a spirit of God, but I don't know how to step into it. Let me tell you, there's an encounter. Let me tell you, you just say like Samuel did, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm here and there is an encounter. We step into an encounter. What about David, one of my, other than Jesus? One of my favorite characters in the Bible. Think about his Psalm, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Lord Most High, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The words dwell, shelter, abide. This is what Jesus talks about in John 15 when he says, unless you abide with me, you can do nothing. Listen, the context for our Christian life is encounter. We are called into a relationship. Jesus is calling you. He's calling you to go deeper into a relationship with him than you've ever been before. You might have never had an encounter with him. And he's saying, I'm walking past today. Today, I'm giving my call to you. You can respond. You can have that encounter. Uh, I could keep going. There's Saul, who became the apostle Saul. Again, he thinks he's doing everything right persecuting these Galileans, these these new believers that hadn't even had the word Christian yet put upon them. 
and he has a meeting with Jesus Christ. He's knocked off his horse. He sees a bright light from heaven. We talked about that over the last couple of weeks. And he has an encounter. He has a face-to-face moment of encounter. So let me tell you, I want us to be so relevant. And I know that the only thing that's relevant is leading people into an encounter with Jesus Christ. Here's what, here's what relevance does. It takes something that is alien. It takes something that is unknown, that is distant, that is foreign. And we're, we're talking about Christianity. There's, I believe with all my heart that this is the message that can turn the world around. I believe with all my heart that this is the message that can find people who are lonely, can set them in families. People who are despondent and without hope, it can give them hope. People who want to know what their life is about, purpose. It's all found in Christianity. But no matter how sometimes we try and we can try and take, take gospels or take scriptures, but until we, we lead them to an encounter with Jesus Christ, it's got no relevance. Here's what relevance does. It takes something that's alien and it makes it native. Your native tongue, friends, is to speak in relationship with Jesus Christ. It takes something that's unknown and it makes it known. Oh, I want to know God. You know, I read that story in in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and it says before that, that Samuel did not know the voice of the Lord. That word know is the same word talking about Abraham. He knew his wife and God gave him a son, Isaac. There is an intimacy, friends. There is a relationship, friends, that God is calling you to. And even if you think that you've tasted it in the past, there is so much more. I, I, I want to, I think I might talk about some of the things that God has done, but not because we want to boast, but because I want you to know a flavor and a taste of what God has done. But see, what relevance does, it makes something that's distant and it brings it close. Something that feels so foreign and it makes it so familiar. As we, even as we start this new school year, I want you to go and know that you are full of an encounter with Jesus Christ. And as Bill Johnson says, it's our job. We owe it to the world to give people an encounter with Jesus Christ. I was talking to a good friend yesterday. We are talking about um, workplaces and, and being Christians. And, and he, he said he doesn't go and tell everyone that, that he believes in Jesus because there's the way that he lives his life is how people get to know it. That's so true. We carry the encounter with us. And here's the thing about encounter. Encounter defines our expectation. Because we've had an encounter, it sets the expectation. The reason that we push into worship is we've had moments in the past where we felt the presence of God. Let me tell you, as a, as a young boy at 15, you've heard some of my, my story of how I met the Holy Spirit when I was 15. I grew up in a Christian home. And I believed in Jesus, but it was a religion, not a relationship. And at 15, I encountered the Holy Spirit, and I was marked for life. I was undone. There was, um, and this is the kind of thing, even even you young people, uh, I'm saying you young people, the generation coming up behind me, God wants to encounter you. God wants to encounter you in a way that is so real. You old people, God wants to encounter you. You middle-aged people, God wants to encounter you. Everyone, you body of Christ, God wants to encounter you. He wants to mark you in such a way. And I was trying to tell the story, wasn't I? (laughs) A 15-year-old boy, so aware of how he looks and what people would think about him. Sometimes I can still think the same thing now. But in a moment when God says, Ryan, taste and see in worship. And I think, wow, I've just heard God's voice. He wants me to taste and see. See, he was calling me into an encounter. And for me, 
my response was as simple as saying, okay, I, I believe that there's something here for me. Close my eyes and lift my hand. And I was undone for the next 48 hours. I was a 15-year-old trying to impress my friends around me, but I ended up in a ball on the floor, overwhelmed by the love of God. I'd never felt such love before. I grew up in a loving home, but I felt a love. I touched something that was so real. Let me tell you, that moment in a time of worship has marked me. And how does it set my expectations? Every time I come into the presence of God, I know that He is real. So because of my encounter, I have an expectation that when I seek Him, I will find Him. Do I end up overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit every single time? No. But it drives me to an expectation that I can meet with Jesus. And when I, when I read, read my Bible, I know that He is real. That's what the Bible calls faith. Encounter builds faith in our lives, friends. Encounter sets this expectation. And I come and I, I meet with Him. So that's what I'm saying about everything that we do, even at Revival Fires. It's come from a history of encounter. I remember in 2008, some of my children weren't even born in 2008. And I remember coming back from a, a revival meeting in Lakeland, Florida, America, where I, we were in this room and I have never felt the holiness of God in such an incredible way. Um, I've never been in a place, I've heard people say it, sometimes it feels like this, when, when you're waiting for uh, like the queen, and, and the queen walks in, and you can just feel the whole place hush. It's, and the closest I've probably been to it is, is at a wedding. Everyone, the guests are on one side of the, the groom, and the bride's guests are the other side, and there's, there's joy, there's anticipation, everyone's talking. You can see the poor groom, he's standing at the front, nervous as ever, waiting to see the love of his life walk down the aisle. You know what, friends? When I got married, I never knew this. I sweated off the back of my legs. I was like so sweaty all the way down my thighs. I was just so nervous. I mean, I, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I knew that I wanted to do it. But there was this anticipation, this expectation. I've never sweated like that in my entire life. <laughs> But I, w I was so thrilled, so ready to meet my bride. When you're in a wedding, there's, there's the buzz. There, there's that, 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 you know, that excitement. But what happens when the bride walks in? There's a hush that fills the room, isn't there? There's an awe. What is she going to look like? Who, who are the bridesmaids? What are they going to look like as they walk in? And we were in this meeting in Florida, and that's the closest I can describe. There was this awe that filled the room. In the middle of the song, so divine, God just said, my presence come, is going to come right now. And you could feel it resting upon, upon you. And even now as I'm talking about it, do you know what God does? He rests upon us. He honors what he's done in the past because that's what the spirit of prophecy is. It says that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. And even now his presence is in this place because he wants to encounter us. He is the one who is calling. Jesus is calling. He wants a relationship with you. And in this moment in, in Lakeland, awe filled the room. The holy presence of Jesus filled the room. I was breathing in, and I'm honest, the closest I can describe it to you, I felt like I was in a tub of boiling water, and I was breathing in liquid air, hot liquid air. The air con was on. Let me tell you, Americans... They like to have the aircon up real cold, especially in the deep south. 
the room was freezing, but I was on fire. I was breathing in liquid fire oxygen. And I, I was, I, even now it's hard to put into words what happened. People started to get healed. No one was even praying for them. There was, you could hear cries. And I heard cries even this morning in the worship. Cries of praise. Cries of people just sensing that Jesus is walking through the old Jericho. And he's calling out to you. And you can't help but call out and cry out. And, and healing broke out. We were in the meeting till about 3 in the morning. And you didn't even feel like a second had gone. It was the environment that we were made to live in. We came back. We put out a simple email. We've been to revival. We want to pray for you for, to receive revival as well. Trevor wasn't even here. It was a Friday night meeting. We had this big wooden lectern here, right? Uh, it was wooden, so you couldn't see my legs. I could be wearing any kind of jeans behind it, and you'd never know. And Trevor said, why don't you speak Friday night? I'm going to be ministering. I think it was at um, Derek Brown's church. So I just got up, and I had a testimony to share. And do you know what happened? <laughs> there was a few of you who was here, right, who was there, who were there at that moment in April 2008, who are still here right now. I went to start my testimony, and the same encounter I had with Jesus when I was 15 years old, and I was um, overwhelmed by his love on the floor happened. And it was so embarrassing, friends. Here I am meaning to try and speak to everyone, and I find myself lying on the floor, overcome by the presence of God. I don't even know what I said on the mic. I don't know what happened for the next 45 minutes, but God came. I didn't have to say anything because Jesus was calling his church. Jesus was calling his friends. And Jesus had a message to give to them. When Jesus calls you, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking and I want to give the message of God to you. But I pray that Jesus is calling you now. And that you hear the words and the voice of your, love, of your Lord, of your master. Like Bartimaeus cries out, my master, my teacher. And it's in that moment... Something shifted. I was marked forevermore by the presence of God. These are, the, these are the experiences that I want to talk about again. Because these are the things that set us apart. These are the things that give our whole Christian life context. These are the things that set the expectation level. When we come to pray, we know that we have felt Jesus in the past and that he is real. When we come to talk about other people and even pray for other people, we know that we believe in it and Jesus can touch them because he touched us. This is the context that we live in. I grew up in... Um, one of the things that John Wimber would say, I was in a vineyard church in my younger years, and he would say this very simple little phrase, but it's so true. This is something that you can't, that you aren't taught, but it's caught. This is something that's caught and it's not taught. I'll do the best I can to teach you, but friends, I want you to encounter Jesus like you've never encountered him before. And even if you have had an encounter in the past, he's got more for you. He's not passing you by. He wants to touch you. So let's put ourselves in this story. Here's the first thing. Bartimaeus, we need to come face to face with our need as we come to this moment of encounter. Bartimaeus his name is very interesting. And Mark takes time to say Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. You see, Timaeus means two things. If you look in the Chaldean original uh, language, it means son of the unclean. But if you look in Hebrew, the same word Bartimaeus means son of the highly prized. And let me tell you, there's so often we can feel like this. Every single one of you, you are highly prized. 
You are the son of the living God. But life happens to us. And we can feel like we are a blind beggar. We can feel like we are a, a child of the unclean. Or whether you're a male or a female, it's not, it's not about being a, 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 gen, a genitive term right now. We can feel like, oh, but we're just so needy. Let me tell you, it's our need and it's our honesty with our need that brings us to Jesus. Here, here's, here's the point. The crowd are talking. And Bartimaeus hears the crowd talking. And they say, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. But what does Bartimaeus say? It's there in the Bible. What does, he, what does he call? He calls on Jesus, the son of David. Let me tell you, when we are real with our need, we become real with the name of Jesus that we need to call upon. I need a Jesus in my town who can bring revival. I need a Jesus in my life who can be my friend when friends aren't there for me. I need a Jesus in my life who can make the destiny that he's called upon my life come into reality when I feel I'm at the end of my rope and I can't do anything else. When I feel that, that the doors are closed and the lights that are red that need to become green and I can't do it in my own strength. My need, when I'm honest with my need, it brings me to recognize the Jesus that I need. You know, Jesus isn't just someone who put some good words of motivation together for our lives. Jesus isn't just a good social reformer. Jesus isn't just that man, Jesus from Nazareth, from, from that region in Israel. He was the son of David. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the one with all authority. He is the one with all power. He is the one with all the strength that you need to find all of your needs net, met when you come to him. Jesus is calling. And when we're honest with ourselves, when we come face to face with our needs, we realize the kind of Jesus that we need. And you know, I, I really believe that there's some of us, we, we are children of the King. God's got such potential over your lives, but sometimes we fail to see it. And we live as a beggar almost in sit down, missing out on the call that God has got for our lives. And there's some of us as well that we feel like, oh, but actually I'm okay. You know, I've, I've got most of my life together. I heard a great song the other day. It was a country song. Do you guys like country music? No. no. <laughs> country music only makes sense when you're driving in a truck in America with the windows down and the sun is shining and you pull in for a diner, for a bit of coffee, maybe some pancakes, country music playing on the radio. It is the relevance. It's the relevant situation that frames the music. Anyway, we were in an American diner and I heard this song come on and it said, I started out with nothing and I've still got most of it. <laughs> oh, that's such a good line. Sometimes we feel like that, don't we? We're the children of the king. We're highly favored. But sometimes we live as if we started out with nothing and we still got most of it. We're living like a beggar. We're living short of our calling. And there's others that we feel like, well, I've got most of my life together. You know, I, I need Jesus sometimes. You know, I don't need to pray about that thing because this person will sort it out. That person will sort it out. Let me read to you something. It's Revelations chapter 3. This is not what Bartimaeus did. He was not like the church in Laodicea. Let me get it, let me get it for you. Revelations chapter 3. 
I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. These are strong words. Because you say, I am rich. I have become wealthy. I have need of nothing. But you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. Some of us, we, we go around, our, we don't call on God like we need to because we think we've, we, we, that we've got enough. We think that we're just about good enough to scrape through into heaven. We think that we're just about good enough. Or we're living like the blind beggar and we think, I don't want to disturb Jesus. Let me tell you, get real with your need. Trevor spoke last week, what's in your box? What is the one thing? What is your need? What do you need Jesus to do for you? What is the, the touch from heaven? What is the thing that you need him? Because that's what you call out. When blind Bartimaeus became honest with himself, he said, I know Jesus of Nazareth is here, but I'm calling on Jesus, the son of David. That's the kind of Jesus I need. I need the Jesus who can turn the world around. I need a Jesus who can encounter my children. I need a Jesus who can meet with them, who can speak truth to them, who can save them, who can bring them into the calling and the destiny that, that they had. And this is the Jesus who's calling us. This is the Jesus who calls to us even right now. He's calling to us. You see, your need determines the nature of the name. And we're calling upon the name of Jesus. And here's, this is the most important part we come to, the response. And Bartimaeus, he doesn't just say, Lord, have mercy on Israel. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on Israel. No. He doesn't just say, Lord, I'm praying just for, for the church in Dudley. Lord, touch the church in Dudley. What does he do? He goes from face to face with his need to having a one-to-one -one encounter. He says, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Let me tell you, Jesus is calling you. He's calling you. I could point to each one of you today. He's calling you by name, by individuality. He's calling you as a person. Yes, he's calling the church. Yes, he's calling the nation. But you're not just one person in a flow of God's goodness. You are the mission. You are the reason. Jesus is calling you. He's not just, this is the amazing thing. He's on the way to the cross. He's told his disciples what he's got to do. He knows the calling. He knows the weight. He knows the agony. He's, he's got his, he set his face like flint. It says in Hebrew, for, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He knows where he's going. Yet, the cry of one blind beggar crying out when he's real with his need. Let me tell you, Jesus can hear your cries. When you call on him, he can discern your cries. And he loves your cry. More than even the sound of, of, of a, a whole church praising, he can hear your cry of need. He can distinguish it. It's sweeter to his ears. No matter even how wretched it might feel, Lord, have mercy on me. He hears your cry. And he's calling to you. Are you calling back to him? Are you crying out, Jesus, I need to meet with you. I want an encounter with you. I need to touch you. This is the thing that frames my life. This is the context for my life. This is the only thing that makes me relevant. And Bartimaeus understood that. He cried out. And the world will always try and stop this cry. The crowd and crowd now say, hey, mate, just pack it in a little bit. You know, just wind your head in, buddy. You're being a bit loud. Can't you see he's going to Jerusalem? What, what do you think you are crying out, Jesus, son of David? I mean, come on. That's the, what the world does, don't they? 
And we've all felt that. Whether we felt it in, in workplaces or school places or places of environment, you want to rise up and say something and you know, oh, there's a ceiling here. I could say something, but I'm going to be squashed down. We even hear it sometimes in the back of our mind. Like that testimony I gave you when God says, taste and see. Even though we're going to have a time of communion this morning, we're going to have a time of prayer. If you want to encounter Jesus, we want to pray for you. And we can have this little, this little niggle in the back of our head, like the voice of the crowd trying to silence us, that says, he doesn't really want to listen to you. Just, just calm your expectations down a little bit. Let's just be realistic. No, this Bartimaeus, he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Let me tell you, Jesus is calling you. And I want you to know, even as they said to him, take heart. Get up. Jesus is calling you. Whatever you're facing, take heart. Jesus is calling you. He's calling us into an encounter. Don't let the world silence it. Let's be persistent. Now, I've even talking to another friend this week and that just saying how, uh, you know, it's great we're coming into a new season, but, but, but how, how can we be persistent? I feel like God's just calling me to persistence. You're so right. He is. And I want everyone here to know, just as the cry was given all these years ago on the road in Jericho, there's a cry for you today. Take heart. As we step into a new year, I want you to take heart. You might feel as though you're not sure how you're going to find the strength for what's ahead. Take heart. Jesus is calling you. You might feel like I've got to somehow get this energy out. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much unknown. Is the world changing? it? Is it not? Are we going forward? Are we going back? Get up. That word literally means be awakened. I want to speak into your hearts. Be awakened. Come alive because the voice of Jesus Christ is calling us this morning. And this is the moment that Jesus stops. Despite wherever he was going, whatever we might think his mission were, you were always the mission. Jesus will always stop for you. What will your response be? See, this man, he got up. He threw aside his cloak. He threw aside, people have talked about this, his identity, the thing that identified him as a beggar. He threw aside the, the thoughts and the structures that would hold him back, those very thoughts that would say, well, you know, can I, really, can I really meet Jesus today? Is he really calling me? Can I really have expectation to meet him like that again? Will he really do it again? All those thoughts, throw them aside. Come in surrender. It says in Hebrews 12 as well, Throw aside all your sin and everything that so easily entangles and run the race marked in front of you. You know, I want to um, just encourage you. Come to a place of surrender. Come to a place where we say, uh, even like Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Come to a place. One of the best responses you see throughout the Bible with Isaiah and many other people, they said this, here I am. Even this morning, is there a here I am in your heart when you hear the calling of Jesus? Is there a here I am, God? I'm come to meet with you. I want to uh, throw aside my blindness. You know, I had, uh, I, had a, I had a terrible nightmare last night. And even this morning, just thinking about blindness and what I want to share about encounter, I really believe that I'm going to just share it with you because I want you to know that Jesus is on this I had, a, I had a dream, um, and a younger generation person was trying to do something, and I was trying to stop them. And I don't have nightmares, okay? 
I, I, I sleep like a baby. <laughs> I sleep uh, like a baby, but I sound like um, an ox. <laughs> I sleep like a baby, but I sound like a train. Thank you. Yes, I, I need a lot of grace, those in my household. So I normally sleep very well. <laughs> And, and there was a younger generation trying to do something. I went out to stop them. And they turned and they looked at me. And their eyes were glazed over like they weren't there. They were, they were possessed. And I was overcome with such a dark, strong sense of, of, of the enemy. And I was praying in my dream, Lord Jesus Christ, I could, I could, you know, what is it when you're sleeping? You, your dreams can take you anywhere. But as soon as you come face to face with this and you know what you mean to say, you almost can't say it. I was saying, Lord Jesus Christ. And apparently it sounded, what it sounded like was, Lord Jesus Christ. I woke myself up. I was interceding for the generation that were blinded by the work of the enemy because God is calling us into an encounter. He wants to remove blindness from us. He wants to bring us into that moment where we hear his voice. Jesus is calling. And every single uh, attempt of the enemy to blind us, even like Saul on the road, what needed to fall off of his eyes? It was scales. I'm telling you, let's prophesy even in, in, in Dudley, in our Galilean place right now, that scales are falling off eyes, that seasons of awakening are coming, that moments of encounter are here, that sight is being restored, and that you are called to see in the Spirit. You are called to see how real, how relevant Jesus is. Let's prophesy that over our families. Let's prophesy that over our children. Let's pray that for people in our workplaces. Let's pray that. Mothers, grandmothers, parents, let's pray that over our children. Let's decree it over our cousins and over our friends. Jesus is calling and there's an encounter. I want to see that blindness fall. I want to see those scales removed. I want to pray. Why don't you come up, Jude? We're going to do communion in a minute. I want to pray this prayer. It's the great high priestly prayer that Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, when my Bible gets there. See, my Bible is, um, I've gone old school today, guys. Paper. My Bible is catching up. Ephesians 1. This is what God wants us to do. He wants us to experience it. He wants us to have this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the work of his strength of his might. Which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. But Paul prays. This is Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesians. It's our prayer, Lord, that you would enlighten our eyes. Lord, that we would see you. That we would encounter you. And I... And our church, you know what? We're a church of encounter. And I just looking around the richness of, of um, experience and the wealth of maturity, it's such a blessing to be amongst a church like you guys who encountered. But there's still more encounter. God wants to mark us again for what is ahead. God wants to mark us again because we need to be relevant to the world out there. There is still more encounter. He hasn't stopped calling. This could be the day when he walks past. Why don't we all stand up? Before we do communion, I don't want to go on without giving an opportunity for us to 
if you've never met Jesus Christ yourself, if you've never said like this man Bartimaeus, my master, my teacher, if you've never surrendered your life like he did, when he threw aside the cloak, he jumped up and he ran to the one who was calling. This morning, Jesus is calling every one of us. He has a one-on-one, face-to-face encounter that he wants to have with you individually, even online. You're not watching this by chance. You're watching this because Jesus is calling you and he's giving you a moment to respond. The only way we have an encounter with God, the only way we come and experience like Samuel did, the Lord came and stood amongst him. The only way we do that is through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the cross of Jesus our Savior. When we say, Lord, I recognize my need. I recognize that I have sinned. I recognize that I need to cross over. We sang that song even today, how great the chasm. The only way we can cross over is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to just give an invitation before we even have communion. For those of you who are hearing Jesus calling you for the first time, I want to give you an invitation to give your life to Jesus Christ. Get up. Take heart. He's calling you. And right now, if that's you and you say, Ryan, I want to give my life to Him. I've never heard it that way before. I can sense His Spirit moving on me. You might be watching online. You might be in this place today. But we always want to give an opportunity for this, for you to have the first meeting. You know, I met Jesus, as I said, at 15. And I've met Him many times since. He always wants to encounter us, but there has to be a moment of first. And I want to invite you to have that first one. If that's you, just lift your hands this morning. Just lift your hand. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for those online right now. Why don't we pray this out together? Every voice. Pray with me. Say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I need you. I come to you today. Here I am. I answer your call. I throw aside everything that hinders. I hear your voice. Amen. Jesus is calling.